Thanks so much, Ed, for your flexibility on the fly. Indeed, we are in Psalm 61. Well, I like to listen to music while I drive. My first vehicle had a radio with knobs that you turn to find the correct AM or FM frequency. Does anyone remember that? Yes. Our first proper family vehicle had a cassette deck and a CD player, the best of both worlds. And now, now just a screen with a port to plug your phone in. Convenient, but lacking character, right? The way we listen to music has changed. And the online music platform Spotify is partly to blame. I was relatively late to the party, but one feature that I found so intriguing and that has taken on a life of its own is Spotify Wrapped. An end of year recap of your musical consumption habits. The artists and songs you listen to the most all neatly tied up with a bow. It's a clever amalgamation of marketing, data mining, pop culture, sonic synthesis, so much so that for some it's become this bite-sized, shareable indication of our very identity. And so we have headlines like, my Spotify wrapped does not define my personality unless it makes me seem cool. And all this reminds me that the songs we listen to, the songs we sing to ourselves, they are formative, aren't they? They not only say something about us, they say something to us. And so I wonder, instead of arriving at the end of this year, 2024, and discovering, oh, oh, this is the song that I listen to the most. What if we took a more proactive approach? What if we deliberately began this year with a song worth listening to and singing to ourselves on repeat precisely because it is so instructive and formative. I think Psalm 61 is a candidate for that sort of song. Today, we get to listen in on this song written by David, the shepherd, the king of God's people from ancient Bible times. We don't have the stringed instruments, no, but we do have the words. And as we make our way through this psalm this morning, I suggest there's three ways that we might let this song form us as we run and walk and stumble and travel and dance and crawl our way through the coming year. Three questions that it raises for each of us as we set our gaze forward to the year ahead. Here they are. Where is your cry directed? Where is your safety located? And where is your energy 
invested. That will serve as the, the outline of how we go through Psalm 61 this morning. Where is your cry directed? Where is your safety located? And where is your energy invested? Let me pray, and we'll jump in. Father God, please open our eyes to see wonderful things in your word. Please soften our hearts to receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So where is your cry directed? Well, there are two mistakes that we are prone to make when it comes to the direction of our cries, our expressions of distress, discomfort, and dissatisfaction. And here's the first one. The first mistake that we tend to make is we internalize our cries. We swallow them before they even reach our lips. They never pass our carefully curated facade of, okay, fine, all right. We don't want to bother anyone. We don't want to be a burden to anyone. And heaven forbid anyone finds out the truth that we have problems, that we have needs, and that we are not self-sufficient. Acknowledging our pain and our problems to anyone but ourselves feels weak. It feels awkward, shameful. And so we keep our cries under lock and key and suffer in solitude. And there's a second mistake we can make on the opposite end of that spectrum. The second mistake is that we externalize our cries. We initially express our cries first to whoever takes our fancy. It could be a friend, a spouse, a colleague, a counselor, a doctor, or quite possibly to no one person in particular, but rather to a whole host of disembodied people in online social structures. Perhaps sharing, posting, commenting is cathartic, but is that your best option? In cyberspace, no one can hear you scream. And even if they could, how much would they really care? So where do we direct our cries? Well, look at what David sings in the first two verses of Psalm 61. Hopefully you have your Bibles open. You can see those two verses there in front of you. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Geographically, you, you could say that we in Perth are sort of at the ends of the earth, aren't we? Though emotionally, sometimes we feel that way too. That we are isolated, that we are distant from God, from others. David feels far away. His strength sapped, his, his mind frazzled, his heart faint. And there is one direction that David's cry takes. He aims his cry at God. In David's hour of need, he depends on God to take his call. 
How often is your first resort crying out to God? Or is he just an afterthought? Consider this. Think think about this, friends. When God becomes the primary direction of your cry, we become formed for the relationship with God that we are made for. I'll run that by you once more. When God becomes the primary direction of our cry, we become formed for the relationship with God that we are made for. That's how we live with the grain of how we are designed. So let me ask you again, where is your cry directed? And the second question follows on from that. Number two, where is your safety located? Notice how David answers that question, the content of his cry at the end of verse 2. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Being human is hazardous to your health. Mental, physical, emotional, you name it. Would you agree? It seems that, that we are in this cultural moment where people increasingly do appreciate our own fragility as humans. Yet on the whole, I think, our position is far more perilous than we realize. We may look down and and we feel the floor or the grass or the sand beneath our feet and and we think we're okay. But in actual fact, I think our real situation is much more like that of Alex. This is Alex Honnold. He is one of the most accomplished free solo rock climbers on the planet. This is a photo of him in the States, scaling the face of Yosemite's El Capitan without a rope or safety equipment. Just to be clear, I did not take that photo. (laughs) My palms get sweaty just looking at that. One slip, one false step, see ya. That is a picture of our footing in life. It is precipitous. It is dangerous. And so how do we get to safety? Well, the answer that is most promoted and publicized, that is most palatable to our world, is a turning inwards in a way that if you can just get yourself sorted, if you can get your habits right, if you can get your sleep right, if you can get your rhythms right, if you can get your relationships right, if you can get your vibe right, then that will put you in safer stead. But what the Bible says is not, lead me further into my truer self. No. 
Instead, it is lead me to a rock that is outside of myself, that is higher and better than myself, somewhere stronger and safer than any place I will find inside of myself, no matter how deep I look or how hard I try. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Do you see how that is so different to so much of what we read, of what we watch, of what we hear, of what we listen to, perhaps even what we tell ourselves? That high, solid, safe rock, that is not a place we naturally find on our own. It's not accessible through purely human strength. We need God to lead us, to take us there, and he will. David shares that confidence. Read again with me the basis of his plea, beginning in verse 3. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. I long to dwell in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. David has known, he has experienced the safety of God's presence, of his protection. And his heart's longing, what he really wants, is to be near to God, to be safe with God. And he knows only God graciously provides what he desperately needs, deliverance from destruction and death. From a refuge in the wild to a tower at home to the tent of God's dwelling place on earth and finally to the shelter of his very presence, the trajectory of David's desire is ever closer to God. So in your search for safety, are you moving towards God or away from him? Like a few of us here, we were down south in Albany during part of the summer. Funny how Albany in summer can feel like winter when it's really summer. We ventured out one day to, to the Gap and the Natural Bridge, spectacular features along the coast. And I was reading one of the signs by the Natural Bridge, which to my eyes looks rock solid, imposing, impressive. But the sign was saying one day, erosion is eventually going to wreck it. Friends, sooner or later, every single rock, every single thing you perceive in your life as a rock, it's going to erode. The forces of time and nature will diminish its substance and render it useless. Only one rock endures. And if you want it, there is a place for you there. So I ask you again, where is your safety located? Now, when you know that you're heard, when you know that you're seen, when 
you know that you're safe. That then, that is a base, that is a place for you to move forward by God's grace. And that leads us to our final question, where is your energy invested? Come back with me, would you, to to verse 5 as we lay some groundwork for this question. For you, God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. David's vows consist of these words of trust in God and thanksgiving to God and praise of God. God has included David in the lineage of his people. It's a genealogy of imperfect people who have placed their faith in and rightly feared the one perfect God. And now David turns his attention to the leader of God's people in the following two verses. He prays, increase the days of the king's life, his years for many generations. May he be enthroned in God's presence forever. Appoint your love and faithfulness to protect him. Who is this king that David sings about? It could be David himself. It could be David's son, Solomon. Though I think that ultimately, David is looking ahead to a permanent king, to God's promised king, to the Christ, the Messiah, Jesus. And as we look back on this song from the other side of history, we see that God has answered David's prayer in Jesus. It looked like Jesus' days were at an end as he hung and died on a cross. Yet God raised Jesus to indestructible life, and his days and years will know no end. And even at this moment, he sits enthroned at God's right hand. God the Father's love for his Son and his faithfulness to his Son prevails, and through Jesus, God's love and his faithfulness towards us are both lasting and firm. We could be no more safely situated. And that brings us to the final verse of this song, verse 8. Listen in for the link for the link here to the verses we just read. Then, then David sings, I will ever sing in praise of your name and fulfill my vows day after day. Did you hear that connection? Everything depends on God's king. There is a link between David's petition and his pledge. He prays for a forever king and then gives us a glimpse of what the coming of that king means. Everything depends on God's king, Jesus. The enduring eternal king, he gives us both the reason and the ability for day-by-day, constant, unending praise. Have you ever listened to a song you liked 
5, 10, 20, even 30 years ago and cringe a bit. Oof, what was I thinking? And hope that no one ever finds out you like that song or own that CD or cassette or record. This is different. This is different. This is distinct. The unlimited scope of God's grandness, of his goodness, of his grace to us in Jesus means that our songs, our praises, will never get derivative or stale or silly or boring or old. Who receives most of your praise? To what extent is your life shaped by a regular turning to God in trust and thanksgiving? And you know that is possible regardless of our circumstances. If we cast our eyes back over this psalm as a whole, it's apparent that David's difficult position do not preclude his praise. Yes, life is hard, but David reflects on his gratitude to God, on what God's done. And he anticipates praising God down the track. And that sort of investment of our energy, that is one way that we go about encouraging and, and maybe even evangelizing others. Real gospel camaraderie Real relational evangelism is not fake smiles, my life is perfect, thanks, but rather, hey, my heart is faint. Life is messy and slippery, yet, yet, I'm being led to a rock that is higher than I. At St. Matthew's, we are keen on making disciples together. This year, how might you be involved in the process of pointing someone to the rock of Jesus Christ? The reason our safety is secure is because of God's King. Jesus has sheltered us from God's wrath he has dwelt among us, died for us, and longs to gather us to himself if we are willing. So we want to help each other. We want to be people, don't we, who are in this process of moving from isolation to communion, both with Christ and with each other, with fellow Christians. When it comes to Christ, when it comes to Christian fellowship, are you removing yourself from those relationships or are you leaning in towards them? We've asked some big questions. So isn't it great that we have a God who always listens as we wrestle with those issues, with those answers? As we close, let me remind us that the reason our cry, every single one of them, is heard by God is because of Jesus. David's cry at the beginning of this psalm is personal, but it's, it's also part of a song intended to be used in a public setting. 
When we express our cries to God, we don't need to do that alone, friends. In fact, one of the great privileges of being a part of a church family like this is crying out to God with others and for others. And that, too, is never a wasted expense of energy. So where is your cry directed? Where is your safety located? Where is your energy invested? Three key questions for the year ahead. One key figure critical to answering them well. God's king, our rock, the person of Jesus Christ. A new year brings a new opportunity, both individually and collectively, to cry out to God, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. May we sing that song often to ourselves and to each other in the year ahead. Let me pray to close. Heavenly Father, we know of no other rock so high and strong and safe as that of your Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Please would you grant us grace that you might lead us to the rock of Christ. That you might even involve us in the work of leading others to Christ. And that our song this year would be one of thanksgiving and praise and dependence on you. Please lead us to the rock that is higher than us. Amen.